You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. With me is Shay Dixon, recapping LSU's spring game, which was on Saturday in Tiger Stadium. And Shay, it was, first of all, nice to just get back into covering a game and kind of one that was, you know, a defensive showcase for the most part until LSU's offense kind of got going there late. But um, I think for me, we had some unexpected guys like Jared Small really step up. John Trey Kirkland was one uh, for me as well. Uh, But we got a little bit of light on the quarterbacks and and what that race looks like. And our our first look at the new coordinators in action as well. Overall, it was fun to uh, cover. And I think uh, for me, the defense really, you know, was the storyline of the day. Yeah, I think that when you look back, first off, they got out of it with no major injuries. Really, the only major injury this spring seemed to be Jarrell Cherry. Um, we know that they held a lot of guys out, Eli Ricks, and then for the spring, a lot of guys, Deion Smith, Ty Davis, and we had a few practices. Uh, and then we saw Andre Anthony, Ali Gaze, a number of guys not play this weekend. Uh, so to an extent, certainly they were cautious. and. Uh, I think it paid off and, but yeah, to get out there, the rain held off. Like I said, no major injuries. You got to work all four of your quarterbacks in Um, pretty much everybody on the team got to go out there and get some reps. Uh, Simple vanilla day in terms of what they were doing, both offensively and defensively. I mean, really only a few looks on defense and uh, the offense wasn't going to show too, too much. Uh, But I think it was a nice way to end the spring game or in the spring, I should say, because the one thing you felt the worst about a year ago is defense is the one thing you probably felt the best about after watching the spring game. Right. And the thing I think that was kind of important and look, it was one day Ed Ogeron kind of said it. Some of the players kind of said it as well. You know how you guys can have honestly an up and down, you know, spring with the quarterbacks, you know, one day, one guy shines, one guy, you know, steps up to the, the next and things like that. But Miles Brennan and, and Max Johnson appeared to be, I think the most comfortable uh, in the in the new offense. They they played clean. They didn't turn the ball over. Both of them uh, didn't have uh, you know turnovers. I think that's the important thing that they really want to make sure that that um, is, is happening there. You know, Garrett Nussmeyer flashed a little bit. T.J. Finley flashed a little bit um, from time to time. But uh, I think the big story with the quarterback battle, which is what everybody really wants to talk about for the most part, um, is that. Max Johnson and Miles Brennan going into the summer probably got to feel good about uh, their their status in the race. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think any of the quarterbacks played, you know, remarkably, you know, super, super well. Um, but I thought that Max and Miles, se- for one day, right, separated themselves. I mean, uh, they played for both teams. Miles was around 12 of 20 for about 116 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Max, when he was with the purple team, went seven for seven for 120 and two. Uh, and then over on the white team, four of 10 for 60. Uh, so he had the biggest numbers of the day, 180 yards, had uh, one of the better completion percentages. He threw a couple touchdowns, but neither of them turned the ball over. And we saw when Finley was in there, he turned it over once. Um, didn't have what, let's see, 17, about 10 to 17 passing for about 80 yards, something in that range. Uh, throws a pick for... Oh, gosh, when it, what team was he on there? The purple team. Uh, and then he threw a pick on the white team. So two for him. And then Nussmeyer had three picks. But uh, look, he's going to understand how to, to read a defense. He's going to, you know, at this level, he's going to understand the speed of a defense. 
And he's going to understand that a lot of, um, you know, the off-platform type running around stuff, you know, is not necessarily going to always work at this level. If you've got a clean pocket, stay there. Uh, but look, he should be in high school right now. So if I'm him out there, I'm out there, and I said this on the board, having fun and slinging it around. It's not a big deal. You're not expected to be the starter right now. You're expected to just keep on growing and uh, and bearing yourself in the playbook and in the weight room. And uh, I think the ability to battle against three guys who are all, you know, have college starts and uh, in a quarterback race here has elevated his game even more. So uh, I don't really worry at all about what Garrett Nussmeyer did in the spring game. In fact, I thought he sort of showed a few flashes and probably one of the better throws in the day was him to John Trey Kirkland. So solid game, I guess, all around for the quarterbacks, solid spring, uh, because even Orgeron said after the game, look, we've had days where Miles played the worst, where Max played the worst, where TJ played the best, you know, and, and sort of fluctuated throughout the spring. I think they leave it, though, feeling like, and Orgeron said this, we're going to now rewind and break down the whole spring and then immediately decide moving forward into the summer and certainly into fall camp. Okay, now we're really splitting the reps between two guys. And, and I think right now it appears that the starter and the backup is from that Brennan and, and Max Johnson group. Yeah, and, and, and I think the thing that really kind of stood out to me is I want I, – <laughs> And 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 it's just kind of the reality. You look at the yards per play. You look at um, the the chunk plays. They really didn't do a great job of having those explosive plays down the field, uh, like we like we've seen in the past from the the offense. You know that that Ed Ogeron wants to bring in, and they just it just took them a while to put that together. I mean, we we saw some some penalties called that brought some plays back. Um, we saw, you know, Miles Brennan's end of the half uh, touchdown and, um, you know, off the fake spike uh, to Kayshawn Butte. Great catch there by Butte. Um, but overall, I think they wanted to see probably a little bit more big plays out of the offense. Um, but, you know, it's a spring game. They were going to be vanilla. I think one thing that, you know, kind of stood out to me, and this is going to be a, a talking point until we get to see the, the running backs all healthy, but, you know, the running game was – was was just fine you know i think ty davis price showed uh, a, a some flashes you know average 5.1 yards per carry but outside of that they really weren't able to do much in the run game uh overall and and that's a good yards per carry but um i'm interested to see how that goes when they get john emery back uh when they get Cavantre bradford back and all of those guys and then the freshman coming in we'll get to see what this complete offense looks like um at you know in in fall camp but i thought defensively that's one area where um, we can kind of point to and, and say, look, they didn't have Eli Ricks. They, they held some other guys out. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an area where we're going to be able to, to see a little bit more of it as, as we get into, you know, quite honestly, the season. Um, but I thought, you know, for the most part, uh, the defense was the storyline. Some of those younger guys that got to step up, Jared Small was a walk-on. He's been around for a while. Dwight McLaughlin had a huge day. Um, you know, you really were able to to see why they're excited, I think, about the younger guys on this defense uh, that are going to be running uh, Durante Jones' scheme for really, I mean, if it works out, the next few years. Yeah, and I think another thing, well, first off, on the, on the running backs, without Emory out there, without Trey Bradford out there, I mean, it was a lot of walk-ons. Um, Demas started on one of the teams. They didn't have Josh Williams, so. Uh, who, who's kind of one of their main bat walk-ons who ended up playing uh, some at the end of last year. 
So I wouldn't look, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about that. And in fact, I thought that Davis Price looked slimmer. I thought that he showed his second gear um, on, a, on a handful of runs, really. And I know that he's only been practicing for about the past couple of weeks. So that's probably only about four or five practices, something in that range. Uh, he missed a good bit of spring um, as he was kind of recovering from that injury. I believe it was a hamstring injury. So I thought he looked solid. Um, overall, though, look, it, it, you didn't, as you said, you had a Butte deep play called back. You had uh, a couple of big plays in the passing game. But uh, in terms of overall explosiveness, it wasn't always there. And, and we'll talk about that more here in a second. But I think that's probably also a good thing. And look, it's a spring game and, and the defense knows what the offense is running. Like, I get it. But that was the de- like big plays where the defense is kryptonite a year ago. They were giving up everything and busted assignments galore. I, I was happy to see that. And-, and I know we talked about defense to lead off, but then no busted assignments and sort of just playing with good energy and good communication probably was the highlight of the spring game for me. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the, you look at the, the MVPs of this game and this is where we can, you know, if you've been a long time listening to the podcast or, or if you're a go 24 seven subscriber, uh, I'll lead off here. And the defensive MVP for me is Dwight McLovin. Um, and I, look, I've, I've, uh, I wasn't overly high on Dwight McLovin when he signed with LSU. I, I thought he was just kind of a late, late take position and need, uh, in the class. And, you know, I particularly wasn't impressed with him as much, uh, over the back half of his high school career, I kind of thought he was a tweener, safety corner. Where does he play? Um, but he's he's shined in um, two times now in the Army All-American Bowl when we saw him the day he committed. And then this spring game, he really showed up. And he kind of had an up-and-down play as, as a true freshman, you know, playing in the SEC. He took his lumps at times. He was also, you know, very much around the ball uh, other times and and was was there and, and showed some, some promise. But he absolutely took advantage of Eli Ricks you know, being out um, for the spring and and not to mention, though, I, I think one one player that we had on our list of guys that needed to step up was Ray Darius Jones. So I'll give him a little bit of credit, you know, had an interception, showed a little bit of what he could do if he puts it all together. But the big storyline, uh, at least in the secondary, was Dwight McLeathern. I mean, he was outstanding, you know, four tackles, uh, uh, one tackle for loss, four pass breakups. I mean, you know, he did, you know, give up the touchdown to, to Kayshawn Butte at the end of the half. But, hey, a lot of <laughs> defensive backs in the SEC are going to do that. So um, I'll lead off. Dwight McLeathern had a great day, really helped himself and and showed why he's the leader to to really play any snaps behind Derek Stingley or Eli Ricks. We set that up for you on a platter right there while, Bill, uh, for all the people on the board. The, well, the, look, there you go. Uh, you gave him the props that he deserved. And look, he's not going to start over Eli Ricks. No one's saying that. But first, you're going to play more than just the two of Eli and Derek all game, Stingley. Uh, but you moved Jay Ward away from the position, so to safety. So you needed someone else that was going to really elevate their game there. Uh, clearly, McLaughlin's done that. And we saw it a bunch. Look, Stingley may miss a game, you know, gets nicked up and misses a game. Or Ricks does. You may be playing Bama, Auburn for it. Somebody in McLaughlin's starting. So uh, it was awesome to see him have that game. Uh, me defensively, Billy, I'll go Jaquel and Roy. And I would have picked McLeathern too. I thought he had a great day. I thought Jay Ward played well. Um, I thought Jared Small played really well, uh, leading the team in tackles and solo tackles. And I was in on a sack and some other things. And as a walk-on or former walk-on, uh, I'm sure that was a huge day for him. I really, and look, Stingley had a pick. I got to settle back on Jaquel and Roy though, because 
three sacks. And all we heard this spring was about, and we know they have Glenn Logan and Neil Farrell starting at defensive tackle, or uh, at least in that mix, Joseph Evans got ahead of Logan this past weekend. If I wasn't, uh, if I'm correct in how I remember maybe the first snap going, and then we heard about Mason Smith and we'd heard a ton about Evans and everyone was wondering, look, is Roy making that jump from year one to year two? And we really saw him come on strong, a lot like McLaughlin at the end of last year. I mean, the Florida game, Roy was pretty active. The Ole Miss game he was playing. Uh, there was a stretch of a few games where uh, you really saw that kind of top 50 prospect right away as a freshman. And then uh, I thought, I mean, there was times and look, he was going at a few of these plays against second team. And, and I get that, but, Boy, he was pushing guys around. He looked quick, uh, good hands. You know he's a strong guy. And it just makes me feel even better about LSU defensive line because on even – and look, they're talented on the edges for sure. But on the interior, you can go three deep with really talented guys. I mean, you're getting down to Jacoby and Guillory and uh, Eric Taylor who got out there and got some run. Uh, so I was pleased with Roy's play on the defensive line that missing Gay, missing Anthony, both those guys are starters at BN. They got held out. Uh, for precautionary reasons, but still to see them play that well, I thought that that's a great sign. But for me, Roy, going into year two, I'm like, okay, then they ha- that's another massive weapon for them. Yeah, uh, and on the offense, and this is you know one I think that uh, it's no surprise if you're picking a, an MVP for the offense who this is going to be. And John Trey Kirkland had an absolute uh, ridiculous spring game, and and you know with the amount of work he's put in and he's been around a while he's somebody that you know really deserves to 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 have a game uh like that and and to be able to show up the way he did uh 16 catches 209 yards and two touchdowns you know that's pretty strong I would say um he I believe he had the one uh fumble or whatever he kind of caught it over the middle on a big play and then fumbled it but out, outside of that I mean huge day for him you got to feel good about the way he showed um, as far as, you know, providing depth behind Kayshawn Butte and this L- LSU receiving core. Um, but, yeah, he's my MVP on uh, the offensive side of the ball. Pretty easy pick, I would say. Um, and and really, you know, was a safety blanket. Also had some big plays. He really did it all on Saturday. So, John Trey Kirkland, the former Lutcher standout, you know, that is, uh, that's what, you know, a lot of people wanted to see uh, from him for for quite some time. Yeah, it was good to see as a senior, too. Um, yeah, fifth year senior, uh, him be able to kind of have that moment as you play in both ways. No one was checking him in the slot. Uh, it, was, it was dominant. And beyond it, and look, and I'll, I'll parlay by saying this, um, they needed someone like John Trey to step up, and they need that to continue to happen because I'll circle my offensive MVP as Kayshawn Butte, and uh, one of my points would be that after Butte, I don't even know uh, who, what, like who your definite starters are, who they're really going to play more than everybody else. And, I, and that might not be decided. Uh, in fact, it probably won't be until these talented freshmen get here this summer. We saw Deion Smith look good and uh, the little bit amount of time he got out there and he's only practiced twice this spring. So, uh, you know, as the highest ranked guy or one of the highest ranked guys, he's got some major upside potential early impact guy, uh, but Chris Hilton, Brian Thomas, Jack Besh, Malik Neighbors, uh, all these guys are top 150 prospects and we'll all be here this summer. And you're gone from Jefferson and Marshall and Chase and Sullivan uh, and McMath and all these guys who have sort of dominated uh, the catches over the past couple of years, seasons, few years. Uh, now we're moving forward. And, and I give the nod to Butte because 
lead, like he set the SEC record for single game receiving yards in uh, the final game of the season against Ole Miss, going over 300 yards. And he was a five star. So all of that was like, okay, he he looks like a five star. He's ahead of schedule. On Saturday, he was he's by far the best skilled player that they have on their team, not named Derek Stingley. I mean, he is unbelievable, and nobody. Whether he, I mean, there was plays where he was McLaughlin or whoever it was, uh, was on him, all over him. And uh, and he still, or Stingley, and he still was able to make a grab. Uh, there was one where Stingley jumped in a pick, and I think from Brennan, uh, jumped the route and went to make the pick, and Butte just plucked it. Like, and anybody else on the team uh, isn't battling Derek Stingley like that with the quickness and the strength of the hands. So he is no doubt to me their wide receiver one for this year, for next year, um, until he's a junior. And then he, we ranked him as a five-star. He keeps going. He's going to be a first-round pick. I mean, he is a absolute baller, and I'm curious after him who can kind of uh, lock in a spot, at least in the rotation, because to me, it's it's a clear-cut number one, and and then a lot of not I don't mean question marks in a bad way, but a lot of unknowns. Right, the wide receiver group, you know, I think with John Trey Kirkland's emergence in the spring game, um, Keishon Butte's continued strong play. I mean, they. They got a little bit bit of help in the spring game, but like you said, in the summer, they get more on the way. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and and kind of maybe who's next that could emerge as as a contributor uh, when the summer arrivals come. Uh, We're going to do that on the other side of this quick break from the Go 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody, Shay Dixon with me. Quick reminder, guys, to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and follow us on the Go 24-7 podcast wherever you listen to your podcast at. Shay, uh, you kind of alluded to it, some wide receivers coming in this summer with this talented uh, recruiting class. That's going to provide some help. I want to start before we get to the guys that can can help – out of the 2021 class, who are some of the guys uh, and just kind of overall this spring, uh, one or two that, that you felt helped themselves the most uh, over the course of these 15 practices? Jay, well, I think Jay Ward, and I think he helped himself and the team maybe more than anybody did because safety is, and certainly has been um, a, a really a concern area because just because Mo Hampton transferred out Stevens is, Jacoby's gone to the NFL draft, uh, and then Todd Harris is back. But beyond him, he didn't have a ton of experience and uh, really only a couple of scholarship players, Cam Lewis and Jordan Tolles. So they moved Jay Ward from corner to safety, and we had heard he looked great. I mean, look, all spring, really. But 
first play of the game, he comes out and, and breaks up a pass. And, and he had turned in a really nice game stat-wise. So Jay Ward is up there for me, certainly on defense. On offense, I think that the certainly – I don't want to overlook the spring game, but I thought that John Trey had a good spring game. Maybe, though, it seems that the one person who up their stock the most is Anthony Bradford. And we thought and we saw on Saturday that the offensive line was the five guys who started there last year. But there seems to have been all spring a kind of push for from Bradford that had even Ed Orgeron saying, look, we may have, it's going to be tough to keep him off the field. And we'll see how this goes through the summer and fall. And I think conditioning is going to be big for this offensive line, certainly for Bradford, a guy who's trying to trim up. Uh, or slim down uh, to a certain degree. Uh, but I think for him, I didn't expect any offensive lineman to get bumped out of the starting group. Uh, and if they did, I thought it would be for someone like Cam Wire, who had already been starting at times. Uh, but that wasn't the case. It seems like Bradford, his guys really elevated himself. Yeah, I would agree with those guys. I think Joe Evans ha- did a lot uh, for himself this spring. We didn't necessarily see it as much in the in the spring game from him. Um, but you know, the rave reviews we saw uh, or from everyone um, coming out of spring ball was that Joe Evans really made a move uh, and and look. So he's somebody that you've got to watch uh, on that defensive line. I thought B.J. Ojolari uh, helped himself as well, um, had two tackles for loss and a quarterback hurry in the spring game. Um, I, I think on offense, and this is kind of a maybe under the radar one, and I don't think um, that he's going to win the starting job by any means, but I thought Garrett Nussmeyer, despite the interceptions, you know, showed some flashes of what they saw out of him as a recruit. And um, you've got to feel really good about the quarterback uh, position going forward uh, with him in that room as well. Um, and then, you know, from there, Walker Howard will come in in the 2022 class and and they'll just keep riding this group um, that seems very, very talented and, and looking like they can uh, certainly take LSU maybe back uh, to Atlanta in the future if all things come together. But um, let's move over to the 2021 recruits, the guys that can really help the most this summer. I'll lead off and just say, look, I mean, Armani Goodwin, Corey Kiner, I got to believe they're going to have more than enough opportunities to come in and play right away, um, and as well as any of those wide receiver signees that you mentioned earlier, Shay. Yeah, when I'm – I mean, gosh, when I look forward, Billy, to – and think about this, the defense on Saturday didn't have five starters, four or five. They didn't have the two DNs uh, in Gay and Anthony. They didn't have Todd Harris at safety. Uh, they didn't have Eli Ricks at corner. And then, which brings me to my point, at linebacker, they had Jared Small out there, a, a walk-on, um, but playing alongside Damone Clark. Baskerville's not here right now. So you had so many pieces on the defense that uh, you're going to have in the fall, and we'll see what happens with Baskerville this summer. He's not even with the team at the moment. Um, but Help is on the way that's already been here, but help is also on the way in terms of these 15 signees who are going to get here. I'm maybe watching a guy like, oh, and you didn't have Bug Strong this past weekend. Uh, I'm watching a guy like Mike Jones Jr. Because right now, if you're playing pretty much walk-ons in uh, in starting spots in the spring game, uh, and I don't know how much Jared Small will really be involved in the rotation at all, and and maybe he will be, um, but I don't know if Josh White and Sampa are there yet. And certainly I think if it were one of them, it would be Josh White. But you need help at linebacker, and they've got Greg Penn coming in this summer, but Mike Jones Jr., to me, Billy, and I know it's kind of cheating, he's a transfer, so he's older than every other kid who gets here this summer, but I think in terms of need position and probably overall talent in terms of how talented they are right now and ready to play this fall, that Mike Jones Jr.'s addition will be as big as anybody, and um, that's going to really help that linebacker room 
in terms of building some more depth, in terms of uh, maybe getting a starter out of him. But uh, as I noted, Bug Strong's in that mix. We didn't get to see him Saturday. He was a little banged up. Uh, but he's a Juco guy. He's a little bit older. And uh, and we'll see what happens on Baskerville and if he comes back. But that's two to three pieces, Billy, that are huge for the middle of your defense. And the reality that if you didn't have them, you'd be playing Josh White and Sampa and Jared Small right now. So this summer, the arrival of Mike Jones Jr. is is huge for me. And I thought linebacker was a must kind of must get position in the transfer portal. And and for them to get a Juco guy and a transfer portal guy, I thought was uh, addressing the position well. Those are great points, but I'll, I'm going to point out to you as well on, on the linebacker front, Josh White, all five of his tackles were solo on on Saturday, and he flashed really well. So I was I was impressed with Josh White. I mean, a, a second-year guy now who you could tell he's taken to the weight room a little bit, and you know, a lot of people you know, ask, well, he's 200 pounds coming out of high school. Well, he was also on the 4x100 team for Cy Creek and running track, so he had to stay a little lean there, and now you can see – He's really starting to kind of pack it on just his arms in general. I mean, gosh, he looks so much bigger, still has some speed. So I'm interested to see what strides Josh White can make over the summer. But for the discussion's sake, I think Malik Neighbors, uh, Chris Hilton, all those guys uh, in the wide receiver room coming in can step up. Uh, because one thing that stood out to me is, again, kind of the, that lack of big play in a way uh, from the offense on Saturday. I felt like it was very much kind of, you know, choppy, move the chains type of stuff, and they want more explosiveness, and that means creating separation down the field. And, you know, Chris Hilton can do that. Malik Neighbors can do that. Those guys are explosive. Uh, I'm interested to see what they'll add to the offense when they get in. Um, and it's a position that Ed Ogeron even said it on Saturday, that freshmen can play early. Um, Sage Ryan, five-star defensive back, he's going to come in and, and step up, I think, at the at the wherever they find a spot for him in the secondary, he's going to be able to help right away. And I think you could see him by the end of his freshman season really emerge as a starter um, if he doesn't really do that right away. Um, I think they could still use some help, um, you know, at tight end and Jack Besh could do that. Jalen Sheed uh, is, is, has some good size. We'll see how he takes to the weight room. And, and, and certainly uh, just from a playing snaps perspective, those guys could help at those spots um, and spell, uh, you know, Cole Taylor. We'll see if, you know, the sag of Eric Gilbert uh, and where that goes and if he comes back. But, you know, just overall, I think those those guys I mentioned are really in position to play a lot um, and step up right away. I mean, Armani Goodwin and and uh, Corey Kiner are the two I'm circling because we really haven't seen those running backs be able to stay healthy out of that group. And, you know, it's a position where if they could pick up the protections early on, uh, they're both productive enough. I, I would say, especially in Armani Goodwin's case, verified explosiveness. Uh, is there to make a make a play right away for time, um, you know, even in a backfield that has some veterans in Ty Davis Price and John Emery. So just overall, I thought this spring was honestly probably one of the more interesting ones that we've been around as far as storylines goes. Uh, we've got a quarterback competition, which, um, you know, we, we saw a kind of a faux competition, in my opinion, uh, when Joe Burrow came in. Um, but I, gosh, it's this is the first time we really had one that is pretty wide open. That was um, up and down and interesting and, you know, two new coordinators. Just overall, this was a spring of change. And but I felt it was a good one for LSU. I thought they they came out of it better than they went in, which was important. They had some guys step up at different spots. Joe Evans, Jay Ward, Anthony Bradford, uh, John Trey Kirkland, all of those guys. So overall, you know, I'm pretty if I'm LSU, I'm sitting here feeling pretty good leaving the spring. A lot of work to be done, a lot of work to be done. And there's going to be some optimism, of course, 
coming out of the spring after what we saw from the defense and you know what we think the offense could be when the QB one or QB one and two in the quarterback competition get more reps with that with those top groups. But you know, overall, um, I was really impressed with LSU this spring. And no injuries, right? Um, and I think more than anything for me, probably, and I think a large part of this or a large part of this is the coaching and five new coaches, uh, on field coaches specifically, um, that have a new offense coordinator, new defensive coordinator, and beyond the X's and O's of any of it, I think that there's sort of a togetherness on the team right now. I think that the guys have uh, really got each other's backs because they've a lot of them experienced perfection with 15 and 0 and then the five and five season. Uh, others, some of these guys, the freshmen were just here for five and five and, and don't want that to be uh, any sort of norm going forward. And I thought that everyone brought good energy. So the fact for me, the fact that they looked much different defensively than they did in the season is great. All of this stuff is good. No injuries is huge. Um, but I thought they just looked better as a team. And Orgeron had said it a couple of times last year with they didn't have spring ball. They didn't have summer. And people would say, oh, well, for reps, how big was that? For this, that, and the other, how big was it? And he would kind of always say it was, it really hurt us in terms of building a, a team unity and a bond. And we weren't always together and guys were uh, separated during, um, you know, the, the sort of beginning of the pandemic. And now moving forward, or at least into the summer, and you've got a full spring under your belt. Uh, this this looks more like a team uh, to me than any point last year. Yeah, that was a big takeaway. It just in even in like player interviews and things like that, guys had a little bit more just positive energy around themselves. It felt like they were just worn down all year, and you know everybody had to deal with it. But you know what, At LSU. I mean and we can go on another discussion about this, but I mean, gosh, you know, coming off the national championship, losing so many, I mean, they just, and they were so locked in for that whole year, you know, uh, that, that 2019 team mentioned, you know, no one's out of the bars, no one's doing this, no one's doing that. Everyone was just locked in on that goal. And then to come off of that. And then by the way, you have to be even more locked in on, you know, doing your part, so to speak. And just with the pandemic, I mean, they, they just, I mean, you could just tell they didn't have fun last year. So I, I'm happy for the guys to again kind of build some camaraderie, get get back to what be, you know being on a football team and and being at LSU should should be like. And uh, it just seemed like they had a lot more fun. And you know, for us, it was it was kind of a normal spring too. We we got to have a, some fun with it. So you know, now it's time for the off season. Now it's time for you know a little bit more spring practice for high schools, some more camps, and the recruiting dead period to to end. And and we'll uh, certainly be covering that for you guys on Go247.com. If you're listening to this. On Monday, it's free VIP day at go247.com. So check it out. Uh, some VIP content on there for you, unlocked. And then uh, we have a little bit of a, uh, let's just say a really, really good deal for those out there um, coming on Tuesday to, uh, you know, if you like what you saw, check it out and uh, take advantage of that deal. So um, with that, for Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to, the, to this edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. And we will catch you guys next time on the pod. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo. And they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.